This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. This has turned into a mini-series worth exploring until further notice. Now, I'm calling the series Mysteries of the Kingdom of Heaven. It's time for us Christians to go deeper into the realms of the Spirit. The purpose of this next couple of episodes, and I perceive we shall probably, you know, linger, you know, pay close attention to this subject of mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the purpose and my hope is that this series now awakens you, whoever is listening to this, to go deeper into the realms of the spirit. And here's why. I believe we are reaching a crescendo of a showdown between light and darkness, between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. Brothers and sisters, many a times you don't realize that these things are coming, but Jesus did tell one man, Nicodemus, in the book of John, he said, how can you be a teacher and not discern the times? He says, how can you not discern the times? So mine is a call. I'm crying out in the wilderness like John the Baptist, saying, it's time to equip yourself with the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Because if you don't know, all the signs point to a showdown between light and darkness, between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. Jesus told Nicodemus, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is from John chapter 3, verses 5. I just keep on reading down. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have testified that we have seen. And ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then he goes on to say that classic John 3.16 scripture that most of the world knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes in him is not condemned. But he that believes not on his he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Wow. There's a lot there to talk about uh, that really you know, adds more paint to this picture that I'm trying to portray unto you. There's several scriptures, you know, he's talking about this whole concept of light and darkness, which is what I've said. But one of the interesting things is Jesus told him, verily, verily, I say unto you, we speak that we do know and testify that we have sinned. And you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Jesus called being born again earthly. This whole concept of being born again, born of the Spirit, he called that earthly. He says, I've told you earthly things and you believe not. How shall you believe if I, if I tell you? Of heavenly things. Um, we are reaching a crescendo. And my plea, my cry is for Christians to, to say is it's time for us to wake up, to go deeper into the realms of the spirit. Because every other people group, and not just from the context of faith and religion, I'm just giving you an overview I'm just kind of looking, I'm, I'm giving you widescreen, not just from the context of I'm a Christian, you know, you're not, or you believe in Buddha, or you believe in this. It's not just from that standpoint. But reaching a crescendo of light versus darkness, because in every people group, in every affair of life, everyone is really trying to push the dimensions of, you know, the work they do, their belief system, the things they enjoy, and um, let's say politics right now has reached a crescendo of light versus darkness. 
we need light because darkness is saying it's light. We need to differentiate. There's a lot of politicians that are wolves in sheep clothing. So that on its side has reached a crescendo of light versus darkness. And now we have entered another um, delusion of this whole mantra of leave your truth. Well, how many truths are there? You know, seeing as everyone is going to call their opinion truth, it's inevitable that we are heading towards a crescendo where you're either going to have to put up or shut up. You're going to have to start producing evidence of why you call whatever you're calling, what, of why you call your opinion truth and why your opinion born of yesterday should supplant truth that existed before your arrival. So you, you are going to need a solid foundation. You, you're no longer going to be able to hide in the closet. You, 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 you're not going to afford to be a closet Christian. You're not going to afford to be a powerless Christian. Um, so for me, I'm just making a plea to whoever is listening to this, that the world right now is reaching a crescendo of light versus darkness. And whenever it gets to a point like that, it's like an eruption. It's inevitable. It's like a volcanic eruption. Things are spewing. Things are spewing underneath there. And eventually, lines are going to have to be drawn between opinion and truth. And the only way we are going to have to get to the point of saying, no, this whole leave your truth mantra, no, that's deception. If a million people have different opinions about the same thing, they can also to say, I'm leaving my truth. So that doesn't hold water. But that won't be enough. We're going to need evidence. Because Jesus said, and thou shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is also from John, John chapter 8, I believe, or John chapter 10. Let me find that. No, it's John chapter 8, verses 32. It says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, for instance, we're going to have to find out if whatever you're calling your opinion, if we, are, if we have let you leave your opinion, let's say for 10 years, 5 years, and your opinion is what is causing you mental health, sickness, disease, then we're going to have to look at you and say, listen, what you're calling your truth is just an opinion. It's not the truth because scripture says, and you shall know the truth and it will make you free. And the truth shall make you free. So if you are in shackles of anything, if your hands are tied, if your feet are tied, if your mental health has no freedom, we're going to have to examine that on the basis of truth and say, perhaps what you've always called your truth is just an opinion, which is not truth. 
So we are going to, everybody is going to need a solid foundation of, you know, the bit, you know, of the basically the reasons why um, you're telling us that your opinion should be, should become the truth. And likewise, Christians are going to need to stand up, not in word. Christians are going to need to um, have evidence of this God that they talk about. The God that you want all people to believe that he's the only true God. That the God of the Bible is not the same as the God of the Quran. He's not the same as Buddha. He's not the same as Guru Nanak. He's not the same as all... You are going to have to give people evidence, new evidence. If they have decided to ignore historical facts that are more recent than historical facts of 330 BC, if people are going to believe that, like, that a man with the names of Alexander the Great walked on this planet 330 years before Christ, and they're going to believe that historical record and are plainly going to ignore the historical record of Jesus walking the surface of the earth, dying, being buried in a tomb, and not and the tomb being empty, and being seen of, you know, about five hundred people seeing him walk again after he after he resurrected. We are going to invoke the power of God again. We are going to need new spectacles. We're going to need new miracles right in your face. And for you to be able to tap into this access, we're now going to have to go from church being church business as usual. We're going to have to go from church being business as usual to really digging up the mysteries, the things that are mysteries, the things that are still mysteries to us in the Bible. Things that we have, as Christians, refused to accept, to take responsibility for, that we keep sweeping under the rug. That we keep sweeping under the rug. And I've used a whole bunch of statements, and I've been calling them blank checks. And there's a lot of them in the Bible. Statements, whosoever shall say. All things are possible to he that believes. Um, I've given you power to go out, to heal the sick, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, raise the dead. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I will do it. All of these blank checks, we are going to have to start cashing them in. Because this is our only way out. This is our only way out. Otherwise, this world is going to drown in deception. The world is going to drown in deception. If you're not seeing it, those who have ears, those who have eyes can see. We can see where the wind is blowing from and where it's going. So you cannot, as a Christian, continue to ignore the uncomfortable parts of the Bible. You are going to have to fess up. 
you are going to have to have evidence of why you believe. Peter said, every man needs to have evidence. Every man needs to have a reason of why they believe in God. And it's no longer going to have to be the Bible says. That's one half of the question. You're going to have, you're going to need infallible proof. Infallible proof. Where you say, okay, you want to know if this God is real? Well, tomorrow, 3 p.m., meet me at the hospital. We're going into the cancer ward. You call down your God. I call down my God. Let's all lay hands on someone who has cancer. And let's see whose God shows up and shows out. We, You are going to need such infallible proofs. Otherwise, there won't even be room to hide. Because the pressure is going to amount up so much. Every, every system right now is being challenged. The status quo has been challenged. Jesus did this when he came. He challenged the religious status quo. Jesus didn't bring religion. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven, which is a perfect segue into some of the mysteries that I want to start uncovering for us. My job is going to be to point you to some mysteries in the Bible. Whatever I discover as a mystery, I'm going to present it to you and it's going to be your homework to go in and search out this mystery because I've asked the Lord to unveil these things to me. And for my own study and you and, and case, you know, case studies and whatever, there's a lot of things that um, I'm applying on the go because some of them I'm learning them on the fly. So, you know, I could have might as well have kept quiet and waited until, but you know, I feel the spirit of the Lord saying, no, go, go ahead, share these things. And whoever finds them valuable, you can run with them. If you can harness a mystery more than even I, who might have brought it to your attention, more power to you. Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus did not bring religion. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven. So in Matthew chapter 4, we have a perfect, um, let us discover, let us, let us dive into this mystery here. In Matthew chapter 4, it's very interesting. And at the beginning of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, it says, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Okay, says when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, but Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took taketh him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and says unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time thou dash your foot against a stone. 
Jesus said, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And says unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then says Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now, I want you to realize two parallels here. Two things happening here. First, the Bible calls Satan the god of this world. He is the god of this world. He has the official keys, you know, of power. Uh, he doesn't have the keys of power. Those have been taken from him. But he's, he's the god of this world. He still has... Um, he's still the god of this world until that time when he's cast away from this earth now that's we shall dive into those mysteries at a certain point but the one that i want to talk about here is do you know when you're reading this the temptation of jesus most christians read this and think like it has never really crossed their mind to think jesus was in the wilderness What physical mountain did Satan, did the devil, cause Jesus to walk up to the point whereby he had a point of view of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory? Have you ever thought about that? Like you always read that and you're thinking Satan is making Jesus go here, here, here. No, there's no physical mountain in the natural. There's no mountain in Jerusalem that is high enough that when you stand upon the pinnacle of the mountain, you can see all the kingdoms of the world. This was a vision. He was taken up in the spirit. In the spirit. Now, the part that I'm really trying to wrap my mind around is um, Jesus was not climbing no physical mountain. He was in the wilderness, but he was taken up in the spirit because there's no physical mountain that you can stand on and see all the kingdoms of the world. This is the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, isn't it interesting that after Jesus sees this, that he recognizes that there is deception here because Satan says unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. No, Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, Satan told him, all these things will I give you if thou will fall down and worship me. So, 
The first thing you have to understand, for Satan to say all these things will I give you, you cannot give what you possess. So that shows you Satan is the God of this world. He possesses the kingdoms of the world. What are the kingdoms of the world? He says the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them. The kingdoms of the world is more than just a... Um, we're talking about here, uh, there's another part where it talks about the seven mountains of influence. And there's another aspect to that. The kingdoms of the world, you know, he's talking about anything, any empire that does not glorify God is a kingdom of the world. Any empire that does not glorify God is a kingdom of the world. Remember how Paul said, the, uh, Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about this aspect of being in the world, but not of the world. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, there's another part where Paul talks about that you are in the world, but not of the world. I believe that's let me check Romans chapter 8. I think it, it might be there. Um, uh, Holy Spirit, help me out here. Yes, I, it's probably Romans chapter 10. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find that scripture. Uh, but it talks about this whole concept of being in the world, but not of the world. Actually, Jesus also talked about it in John chapter 17. He talks about it there. But yeah, Paul here is talking about be not conformed to this world. Right? So the kingdoms of the world, that you, what you have to understand here is any, any kingdom, any empire, any system that does not glorify God becomes a kingdom of the world. Now, right after Jesus, right after Satan had, had shown him the kingdoms of the world. Now, some of you might read that and think that, you know, for instance, that is talking about in, in a certain context, you can. Okay. In, in a certain context, you, you, the kingdoms of the world also here. What you have to understand were systems that were soon to come into place. So it's not like, okay, Jesus was taken up like, like he's on this mountain and he saw, okay, that is United States, that's United Kingdom, that is this, that is this, that is that. No. There's a context of that, but also, um, first of all, the United States was not even available at that time. 
Now, this, this is twofold. There's, there's a concept of Jesus saw the glory of the systems of the world to come, right? Uh, the industries that were going to come. Basically, it is very possible that in that moment, there was a foreshadowing that in a certain year, 2022, let's say there will be a, an industry or a ministry that uh, an industry, a new movement in the world system, and there's a glory that it will give to man. And so Satan definitely was going to be behind all of this because he said, and I will give you. So it shows you that at the time when Jesus walked on the surface of the earth, Satan was in charge. Satan was the God of this world. That's, that's the thing that you have to understand there. So kingdoms of the world, it's not only talking about like, you know, like, let me say, uh, because at that time, you know, the, the construct was kingdom, right? It was kings, right? It was kings who were ruling. So the construct of, of, let me say, country construct, but more to that, there's another level to it about like systems of dominion. Kingdom just re really means king's dominion. A kingdom is a dominion of the king, king's dominion, kingdom. So Jesus sees all of this, but this was this was a spirit, this was a spirit. So Jesus himself, right here. Now, at the beginning of Matthew, it says Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, chances are that as this was happening, this was this was Jesus taken up in the spirit, right? This was a vision. So I don't know what exactly what kind of vision, but it was a vision. It was not a dream, but it was a vision. He, he received a vision, right? Now, isn't it interesting that the worshiping that Jesus was to do, it says, if thou will fall down and worship me, you will have to go back to the same reason why the scripture says here, get thee hence, where, how Jesus uh, counters him and says, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. Worshiping. Now, you'll have to go back to the, the first time this came up was in the Ten Commandments. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And if you look at how um, the context in which God, Jehovah, gave some of these commandments, he was trying to stop the, the children of Israel from behaving like the other people, the other nations, cultures that were gonna that were you know where he had, where where they had moved into, like in the promised land. If you read about the type of worship and bowing down 
that these people did for these other gods who are all gods under Satan, you know, we, we're talking child sacrifice, uh, people taking their children, yeah, child sacrifice, um, um, there was, there was worship in the form of sensuality. It's all there. Uh, bestiality was, was, was part of the things that was, was happening. This was all a form of worship. So Jesus, to gain glory, to have access to this kingdom, to these kingdoms of the world, it was not just going to be that he will just literally um, fall down on his knees and say, Satan, I worship you. No, that wasn't. No, this was going to be a, a lifestyle that Jesus would have to walk in, right? He would have to pledge allegiance for this to happen. But Jesus, having had one up on Satan, Satan did not know Jesus, it says all things were created by God through Jesus Christ. So Jesus was the one who had created Satan. Satan didn't know this. You know, he probably knows it. But Satan is 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 is, is it, lost it here because Jesus knows Satan's MO. Jesus knows how Satan was cast out of heaven. He says, from the beginning, he was a liar. Satan is the one who convinced a third of the angels to rebel against God. And they tried to start a war in heaven and they lost. So Jesus knows Satan's MO, that this guy is a liar. Anyways, so when you see people walking in the glory of this world and you're wondering how they get there, there has to be a bowing down and worshiping of Satan in a certain format. And this is why I say the people who are practicing the occult, um, devil worship, demonic worship, all of these things are going deeper and deeper because there, there is a glory that they are indeed receiving. It can be wealth, it can be money, it can be women, it can be... Uh, the high from drugs and all of these things, uh, lawlessness, um, all of these things are anything that brings glory that is not through the glory of God, that does not bring glory to God, is basically the kingdom of the world. Now, it's very interesting that right after this temptation, you then see Jesus first, well, John, John the Baptist had mentioned this statement about the kingdom of heaven. Now, right after he comes out, of it, it, that's when it goes to say, um, you know, verse 12 to, 13 to 17, again, in the same chapter, which shows you a contrast that Jesus had seen the kingdoms of the world and the glory and, and the kind of worshipping that would be needed to basically partake in Satan 
enabling you to partake in the glory of the kingdoms of the world. So Jesus saw that it was all wickedness and deception because Jesus had seen this story before. And you can find it. It's in, a, it's in Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. And so it's not a coincidence that after Jesus is shown all of these things in the spirit, that when he comes down from that mountain, in verse 17, um, no, let me just read it from verse 12 because it's very beautiful. It says, now when Jesus had heard, so Jesus leaves the wilderness. It says, now when, this is verse 12, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. It says, now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zabulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, the land of Zabulon and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness, saw great light, Jesus being the light. So the people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So you can see that the reason why the, this is one of the first things Jesus was saying was because of what he had seen. So he was now contrasting and saying, listen, repent because your operations have made you, whatever you've been doing, has made you basically plead allegiance, make allegiance to the kingdom of darkness. But there's a way out of the kingdoms of the world. And it's the kingdom of heaven. That's why he kept on saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes on to lay the classic sermon on the mount where he starts to, to talk about the workings of the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, he starts to tell you some of the pains that are going to come when you now switch over to the kingdom of heaven. He's, the first thing he says, this is Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he's going to say, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, he's talking about, listen, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now, if you've been mourning, you're going to be comforted. Now, he talks about a type of character that can instead help you inherit the earth through the workings of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. In verse, in verse chapter 5, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Everything that Jesus says after blessed are the was basically a type of character that would help you to partake or start walking in the kingdom of heaven. How to generate, how, how to exercise power. You know, in the last, in part two, we're talking about power. 
how Paul talks about this whole aspect of power. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul saying, listen, you can't afford to live this Christian life without power. So Jesus starts to say, blessed are the meek. A, a character, you see, blessed are the poor, poor in spirit type of character. Blessed are they that mourn, heart posture. Um, blessed are the meek, heart character. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, heart character. Blessed are the merciful, heart posture and character. Blessed are the pure in heart, heart posture and character. Blessed are the peacemakers, heart posture and character. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, heart posture and character. Because they, why are they persecuted? For righteousness sake, heart posture and character. And it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? Then he goes on to talk about Blessed are ye when you when men shall revive you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Then he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And then he goes on to talk about he starts to contrast how you're gonna have to operate in the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of the world. You know, he talks about anger. Anger is a currency in the kingdom of the world, in the kingdom of darkness, let me say. Anger and rage, which is coupled with pride and self-exaltation is currency in the kingdom of darkness rage and anger you know jesus starts to talk about these things you know it says jesus talks about anger you know he now talks about a light you know one of the things he says that you are the salt of the earth but if the salt has lost its savor savor wherewith shall it be salted it is henceforth good for nothing but shall be cast out and trodden underfoot then he brings this concept you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You are a light of the world. Remember now, Satan is showing the, the glory of the kingdoms of the world. That says you are the light of the world. Why would you say you are the light of the world? The, this is a concept of the darkness in the world. Now saying it's dark, but it needs light. The world is dark and it needs light. And you are the light of the darkness in the world. You know, he talks about um, so many workings about uh, the kingdom of heaven. So a mystery, as we're talking about this subject, mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, a mystery is something that I want you to look at a mystery, not so in like a mystical sense or whatever. A mystery is something that you still can't wrap your mind around. That's a mystery. So it is very important for us to uncover those 
portions of scripture where it's still a mystery to us because that's where power is. Whatever is whatever is a mystery to you, whatever you don't understand from the scripture saying, how did this thing happen? How, you know, how does this happen? How did this come to be? Jesus said, but for us, it is to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So these mysteries, but in another portion of scripture, First Corinthians talks about the hidden wisdom of God was hidden for our glory. It says, but the spirit of the Lord has revealed them to us. What the eye has not seen, what the ear hasn't had, what hasn't yet entered into the heart of man. But the spirit of the Lord has revealed them unto us. So, the mystery they need to understand right now is that the kingdom of heaven gives you access out of the kingdoms of the world. The kingdom of heaven gives you access out of the kingdom of the world. Now, let us go to Daniel to see some of these things where, you know, we perhaps just look at it and say, um, you know, we look at something happening out in the world and we don't know that there's a mystery behind this. Like, why is this thing happening? Okay. Daniel is a good book for us to go to. Let us go to Daniel chapter... Uh, let's go to Daniel chapter 9. There's some interesting things there that I want to bring to your attention. Now, let us start with Daniel chapter 10, actually. There's another one that I want to talk about, the mystery of prayer, that I believe will also empower you. But okay, let us start here. I think this is an important one since you know we're talking about things like the new world order the powers that be we talked about that in the last episode in daniel chapter 10 it's very interesting it says in the third year daniel chapter 10 verse 1 here's how he reads it says in the third year of cyrus king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto daniel whose name was called Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Okay. A lot of people, you know, uh, it says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. We all know this. You know, this is called the Daniel fast. Daniel went into fasting because it says in, in verse number two says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, so Daniel eventually in verse um as daniel is contemplating this thing that happened daniel sees this vision 
And, you know, it says in, in verse 9, it says, Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when... Um, So an angel appears to him. So the the context is this. It's the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Uh, before I jump to the point, I, I wanted to kind of give us the, the backdrop here. So Daniel is fasting. He's by, you know, he was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel. Then he lifted up his eyes. He looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were guarded with fine gold of upas. His body was like burial. His face was as the appearance of lightning and his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms as feet like the color of polished brass and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. It says, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. Then he says, but a, great, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Okay. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. From this vision, he's now weak. He has no strength at all. Then he says, Yet had I the voice of his words. And when I had the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Okay. The point that I want to make, the first interesting mystery here, is, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou did set your heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Wow. Now, in another episode, I'll talk about this other mystery that I've been uh, doing a study upon. It's called the mystery of prayers being hard. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm noticing a pattern throughout scripture. There's a, there's a, uh, that would be an interesting one. But the one that I want to first bring to us is this one it says, is in verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 21 days, withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, one of the archangels, Michael is one of the archangels, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, this is crazy. Do you realize 
that from Pajer, from Pajer's context, their king was Cyrus. Their king was Cyrus. That is to say, on paper, Cyrus was the king. But why, why, why is the angel? Why is the angel saying? But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Okay, so pa Cyrus on paper, like in our natural context, Cyrus, think of it as, let's say, Cyrus was the president. And the angel tells Daniel that the reason as to why the, 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 the angel couldn't come from the moment Daniel set his heart to get understanding of the vision he had received was because the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and says, and Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Do you realize that that's why Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. Rulers of the darkness of this world. It goes to show you there was another governing principle. There was another government that had more authority than the government on ground. On ground, in the earthly natural context, the king of Persia was Cyrus. Right? But the angel comes and tells Daniel that the first issue he had in coming to reach Daniel was because the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And he goes on to say that even when Michael came to help him fend off, fight off these princes, it says he remained there with the kings of Persia. So Persia had more kings. So in a natural context for you, you're thinking that life is natural. You're thinking that the president of your country is standing alone. You don't realize that there's an, a spiritual authority and influence behind the universal context of things. You're thinking that Joe Biden is the president of the United States only, but you don't want, or you don't understand that there are forces that there is a prince of the United States, and there are other kings of the United States. There is a governing committee in the spiritual realm. Do you realize that this was like almost two governments? On ground was another, for an angel, the angel did not just call these um, evil spirits. He called it, he, call, he called these forces that withstood the angel 
from passing the information down to Daniel, he called the, he, he called the first one, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And then he came, he also said, I remained there with the kings of Persia. Which ones? So from the spiritual context, Persia had kings. That's why Paul in Ephesians 16 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So once for you, you think you're wrestling against Joe Biden, or you think you're wrestling against um, Republicans and Democrats, or liberals and conservatives, or you think you're wrestling against uh, Putin. You know, these are not the people that you're really wrestling against. You are wrestling against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. These were powers. People talk about the powers that be, the powers that, and they think it's just the one percent. Uh, they like to think it's uh, like to, they like to go back and say, "Oh, the Rockefeller family, or things of this nature." Listen, these other powers that be, the these powers that be in the spiritual realm that govern the powers that be on the earth. The, the angel gave us insight of this mystery that there was, he called them the kings of Persia, which means on paper, Persia's king was one. But if you add the spiritual context, Persia had other kings and princes. It had another governing ruling body that was behind whatever people were experiencing with in, in what? In, um, in, in, on ground. That's why when I asked you at the beginning, I said, when Jesus was tempted and he was taken up to the mountain, think about this. The, there was, it could, it was not a physical thing that Jesus stood on one mountain and he saw all the kingdoms of the world in actual physical sense. It was a vision. He was taken up in the spirit. What happened, the kingdoms of the world he saw were the same kingdoms that this angel then comes and says, I was withstood by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Hey, uh, I, I don't know if this is this is setting you on fire the way they set me on fire when I was like, my goodness. So Jesus came almost to, 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 to open our eyes. That's why he says in, 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 in Matthew, in Luke chapter 4, there's a reason as to why you have to see the statements that Jesus uses. Don't take everything that Jesus says. He does not throw words around. So there's a reason as to why after Jesus sees all these kingdoms of the world, there's a reason as to why in Luke chapter 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. This is more than just physical physicality here in the natural. Recovering of sight to the blind for us to see and know. Listen, 
Right now, you're under the power of the kingdom of darkness. But if you repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. These are the things that we as Christians that you need to start figuring out how. So then we, we have to look into the mystery of how does a guy like Daniel serve four kings in the kingdom of Babylon? What were his qualities for him? That would be like you as a Christian. You need to copy whatever Daniel did. That must be your blueprint. How did Daniel exceed in a world of sorcery, of magicians, of people that were, that were anti-Christ? How did Daniel still keep his position of authority and all these kings ended up bowing down to him and saying, listen, everybody has to worship the God of Daniel. So we're going to look at the book of Daniel and see some of the mysteries, some of the principles, you know, because for us, the mystery might be, okay, as a Christian, how do you survive in this world right now? What should be your manner of operation? What should, what should be your MO, modus operandi? So we want to look at a guy like Daniel. What are some of the things that this guy did to survive in the king to survive in Babylon when even the king who on paper was the king was not the actual king? That there was other kingdoms in the spirit realm that had more dominion, that had influence on the kingdoms of the earth. This is what I'm saying. It's time for us to get off the, the, the simple Christianity, the, 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 um, the sermon, the, the type of preaching that's just to pump you up. This, this, this is what I feel the Lord has put on my heart. He's saying, son, um, a lot of my children go to church on Sundays to receive motivational preaching, to be pumped up. Listen, I've been a fan of motivational preaching. There's a season when I needed it. But listen, it can only take you so far. Because when you start to go against the forces of darkness, you need solid foundation. Motivational preaching, yeah, it can, it can, um, it can keep you going for, I don't know, a few days. But you're going to need it again every Sunday. It's time for us to now go deep into these things, the deep realms of the spirit, understand the workings of the spiritual world, understand how the spiritual world is connected to our natural world, and actually start really harnessing and saying, how do we get victory? How do we take over cities? How do we take over businesses? How do we have dominion in every facet of this world? Because we need power. This is the time for us to change gears, to go higher. It is time for us to go higher. The days of motivational preaching are over. And I'm sorry if that's been your diet. It's time for us to know what, what is the root cause? What are the issues behind the issue you're having? Can we get to the root of it? Because there's a root behind everything. 
So you then start to feel sorry for the people who are in power. Because poor Democrats and Republicans, they don't know these things. They think that their decisions are independent of other spiritual influences. So you stop pointing fingers and saying, I'm a Republican, Democrats are evil. You stop pointing fingers at Republicans saying, oh, I'm a Democrat, Republicans are evil. And you realize that you are both fighting against each other, but you're just ignorant that any of you who's in authority, there's a higher influence that is causing you to make decisions that are unrighteous, that is causing you to pass legislation that is immoral, that is causing you to build businesses that are only shareholders, that are only uh, focused on their management, that are only perhaps shareholder-centric, but don't even take care of their workers. All these things have spiritual cause. So the first one that we see here is there was a king on paper, Cyrus, but turns out there were the forces that stopped the angel from getting to Daniel for 21 days. One of them was the prince of the kingdoms of Persia and the kings of Persia. And when you keep reading down there in Daniel, you see something very interesting. Because the angel then goes on to tell him that even after he leaves, the prince of Greece is also going to come. In verse 20. Now, it's also very interesting. Um, th this is what the angel said. In verse Daniel chapter 10, verse 20 says, Then said he, Knowest thou therefore, knowest thou wherefore I came unto you, and now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone, when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia will come. But I will show you that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. Now, perhaps I will, let me read that in another translation. Um, I read that in, in, in the, in the, in the, in the King James. Let me, let me read it in another translation that will make it clear, clear for you. The first, the first one says in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel. So we've established that Cyrus was the king. But in verse 13, something interesting, something interesting happens. Because the angel comes and says, then said he to me, do not fear Daniel, for, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. 
and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. This is another dominion that was having ruling over Persia. It says, Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Now, it's also very interesting that as the angel is going, he says, Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. Wow. So the angel, this is another um interesting mystery something that brings attention the angel had to fight his way into the earth the angel also had to fight his way out of the earth <laughs> and he talks about how after he has finished fighting with the prince of Persia, he says indeed the prince of greece will come but I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So Michael, angel Michael, who's the angel of war, we also see something being mentioned about him there. That he's the one that helped uh, this other angel who I believe was Gabriel because he's the one who showed up in Daniel chapter um He's the one who, who showed up in Daniel chapter uh, in Daniel chapter 8. says, Gabriel com comforts Daniel. So I believe he's the one who, who, was, who was dealing as well in this scenario here. But yeah, so the point that you, you now open, it says, meanwhile, I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. This is another translation that really talks about um, I love this. Let's just read this. This is another translation. This is It says, he replied, do you know why I have come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince okay of the kingdom of Persia. so that's more understanding one translation just said the prince of Persia. this one says the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. and after that the spirit prince of the kingdom of greece will come so that also shows you that greece had its own spirit prince and greece also had its own king but these were spirits who are princes and kings. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. So you see, there's a book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. So Michael 
in one other translation says, except Michael, your prince, national guardian angel. So there's a ministry of guardian angels and Michael is the chief prince of uh, guardian angels. So now you see, um, you see what's going on. Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Well, I believe that's enough for you to ponder, meditate upon, and now understand that when you're looking at the workings of the world, I don't want you to be ignorant and think that the people in authority, the people in power are ruling by their own accord. And that is why Peter, we shall look at that, says, pray for all of those that are in authority. In fact, no, Paul talks about in First Thessalonians, talks about praying for all that are in authority, that we may live a peaceable life. There's a, there's a key principle there that we need to understand. But, um, yeah, this was unplugged. I hope this episode blessed your heart. We'll pick up from here in the next episode. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sela.